Welcome to the fourth episode of the official Harmonics Rock Band Podcast. I'm Tim, a.k.a. Nocity. Our mailbox name is hmx.mailbox. If you've got something to say or a cool rock band story you want to share, send us a message on Skype. If we like your message, it may end up in a future episode of the podcast. All right, we got some great content in this episode. I had a chance to interview harmonics designer Grace Williams about being a rock band prefab. The Best Steph takes you on the travels of Lamo, a.k.a. Jimmy, in a great new segment called Stuff We Think Is Cool. We also have our weekly DLC roundtable discussion. First up, though, our very own Brett Milano interviewed the band Big Dipper. If you missed the Big Dipper zine post or video on our website at www.rockband.com, Here's an excerpt from the full interview where Big Dipper talk about playing their own songs in rock band and what the band is up to now. It's difficult. As I was saying before, I played the guitar part to All Going Out Together uh, just hundreds if not thousands of times. And it's just sort of ingrained. Even 20 years later, you remember the parts and you pretty much remember how to play them on a real guitar. But on rock band, it's just it's very different because there are sometimes fewer notes to play. In the case of Younger Bums, the, uh, my guitar part and Bill's guitar part were comped, which I didn't realize until maybe a verse and part of a chorus had elapsed. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it was very difficult to kind of get ready for those changes on the fly. It's not something I'm used to because this is only the second time I've played rock band. Bill, you have to sing it exactly as you sang it on the record, right? Did you did that match up? I didn't know how forgiving it was going to be. Of course, now for years I've had the lyrics scrolling across the screen in front of me when I'm singing, <laughs> so I was used to that. Quite no, I like the graphic of the up and down that it shows you like the, the note's going to go up here and it's going to go down. It's going to sustain. That was cool, but I was trying to like my head was going up and down and I would see the note. Okay, go up here and down here and. Um, it is helpful, but it's hard to be that precise. I think it's tricky. I nailed it. And he did better on the singing my part than I did. You did, didn't you? I don't, I don't know. You got a 99. I don't even know what if I got that good of a score. See, I, I've always been a feel guitarist. I, I just precision is. I could be precise if I wanted to, but I. Yeah. And I was thankful that I didn't have to play guitar and sing at the same time. And Jeff, you played expert like. 10 minutes into your first session in the game. I don't think that gets done very often. Well, I noticed that the, the harder it gets, the more notes you have to play. So I actually could play the, the song the way it was, whereas on easy, it's almost like half, half notes. Does it, it work that like, way with the singer? Like I could have sung just maybe every, the first word of every line? <laughs> just, the good, just the good lines. <laughs> Somebody on our board said that uh, their two favorite bands were Big Dipper and Cannibal Corpse. So for a rock band. For Probably rock not band. In, in the the rest of the world, but on rock band, yeah, that, that took me by surprise. So uh, a lot of people, if you're, if you're in Boston and you're, you, you know your alt-rock, you know those three songs real well, I assume a lot of people playing the game might be hearing them for the first time. Can you tell us a bit about, say, All Going Out Together and how that song came to, came to gestate? Wow, we need, that's mostly Steve, isn't it? Well, it was, yeah, initially it was Steve. Steve had a dream that he was at a Bruce Springsteen concert, and Bruce Springsteen was singing All Going Out Together. 
and he came into a rehearsal one day with a simple little bass line and a few lyrics and it was one of those collaborative efforts where everyone had their part to add and it seemed to me, it may have taken longer than this, but it seemed to me that it took about 10 minutes to put the song together, if that, it just really came together and we didn't have a complete set of lyrics, Bill and Steve worked on, on those and it just happened very naturally, we were playing a new song and not working on it. So she's fetching, I think, that was one of the first songs of yours that got a lot of airplay in Boston and became a hit around these parts. Tell me about that one. That was the first song that Bill and I wrote together. On his porch, about a year, uh, maybe eight or ten months before Big Dipper was really even a, a gigging band. And uh, Bill had this really catchy chorus and a line that went, She's blank. And I came up with fetching. Oh, really? And we went to the dictionary and fleshed out the verses with the various definitions of the term fetching. Nerds that we were, it was fascinating to find out how many different definitions there were for the word fetch. Uh, what happens next? Will there be more Big Dipper action? We're pretty far into a, a new now, batch of songs. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. About, about halfway done with an album's worth of stuff, which we're recording in my basement. It, it's a nice informal setting that allows us to partake in what Bill termed guerrilla recording, just in and out real quick. Our goal is to get it done by September. Uh, the realist that I am, I would say that if we got it done by the end of the year, we'd be doing pretty well. But it's not like we have to meet any deadlines or satisfy any expectations other than our own. Uh, we just do it because we love to do it and it's fun. If they see the light of day, it'll be great. If people like them, great. If they don't, we all have careers and families that occupy us otherwise. So it wouldn't be the biggest tragedy if we did this record and no one paid any attention to it. We're having fun, that's enough. everyone, it's Tim. I'm here with Grace Williams, a designer at Harmonix. And uh, I have a couple questions to ask you. How's it going? It's going okay. That's fantastic. So you're one of the few people at Harmonix that has a character, an avatar, if you will, in the Rock Band series. Yes, I am a prefab, as we call them in the industry. Yeah, that you're a prefab named Grace Williams in Rock Band 2. It looks like me, kind of. It looks like how I used to look, I guess. <laughs> Does that count? I think that counts. What's it like being a prefab in Rock Band 2? Um, it's great. I get a lot of weird YouTube videos sent to me called Grace Band, where it's just all me playing all the instruments, which, those are great. I love those. I feel famous. <laughs> Fame is a wonderful thing. <laughs> now, also, you're a minifig in Lego Rock Band. Yes! That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> What's better? 
being a character, a prefab character in Rock Band 2 or a Lego minifig. Being a minifig for sure is way better. Are you kidding? <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was amazed. The only thing that could possibly make it better is if they ever sell like the actual minifigs through Lego. I'm praying that they do that because I want to go to a store and buy myself as an action figure and then I consider myself as having made it. I'm going to totally agree with you. I mean, once you actually buy yourself, mm -hmm. you've made it. Like you can get the Rock Band 2 avatars and the, the action figure things that they make, but that's different because I'd have to actually like fabricate it. I want to go to a store and find me on the shelf. Right. Or if you have a price tag, this is how much I cost. Yep. $2.99. That's okay. That's awesome. And I have one last question for you. Sure. Who would win in a battle? Your prefab from Rock Band 2 or your Lego minifig? Uh, don't make me pick favorites. That's... <laughs> I would guess probably my prefab since it's like physically larger than the minifig. It's true. Like, I think it could beat up anything smaller than it. Yeah, I've played a lot of the Lego games and I've noticed that if you hit a Lego character, they explode. They explode. Yeah. Our prefabs in Rock Band do not explode. Mm -mm. So just like one solid kick, that'd, that'd be it. Yeah, just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like an Indiana Jones whip. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> Being a Lego minifig or a prefab in rock band is awesome. It's and only awesome. and only Grace Williams has that privilege and you don't. And I don't. Let's roll. Hey guys, this is the best Steph here uh, with a new segment for the podcast called Stuff We Think Is Cool. Um, this is basically just going to be a podcast about stuff that we at Harmonics think is cool. Uh, so that could range from anything. And today I hear I have uh, Jimmy Krell, who uh, you might know from the forums as Lamo, and he's going to talk to me about something that he thinks is cool. Hi, Jim. Hi. <laughs> what do you think is cool? Uh, I like to travel a lot. Yeah? Yeah. All right. How did you get started? Uh, how did you get started with that? I pretty much, as soon as I could walk, I would wander all around town. When I learned how to bike. I would bike all around the city. When I could drive, I drove all around the country. And then when I could afford plane tickets, I started going around the world. So where was your first big trip? My first really big trip was uh, I took about four months to go around the world. And it was mainly uh, Southeast Asia, Pacific, and Europe. Why did you uh, why why did you decide to go to those places? Well, originally I had sort of a list of places I wanted to go. I'd watched some sort of documentary on uh, the Discovery Channel about uh, the world's most amazing swarms or something like that. <laughs> Wait, swarms meaning what? Like just a people, swarms or? of anything. Okay. Um, <laughs> two of the things on there were uh, these jellyfish in uh, Micronesia in this country called Palau. There's a lake that's just chock full of jellyfish. Another one um, was these uh, the red crab migration in Christmas Island, Australia, uh, where these red crabs will like come out of the woods, have babies in the ocean, and all those babies will like crawl back into the woods. And there's just in the documentary thing, there's just these scenes of like crabs as far as you could see. Um, I didn't make it to Australia though because of uh, there was this typhoon in Guam. And I couldn't fly through there to get to Australia, and so I kind of I ended up in Taiwan, and from there I just sort of went to Southeast Asia. So 
Um, I didn't have a whole lot of plans before that trip, but they were all thrown out the window pretty much as soon as, uh, like, uh, as soon as I was done with Palau. So I did get to see the jellyfish. Did you get to see the crabs? No, not not the crabs. That sounds like, uh, I don't know, those crabs sound kind of irresponsible anyway. That's like absentee parenting, if you ask me. Yeah, well, it's the (laughs) have eight million children, hope three live. Yeah, (laughs) you know, I can't get behind that. Um, so what was, what was the best thing that you saw on that, on that trip? On that trip, well, the jellyfish for sure was like pretty amazing. Um, I learned how to scuba dive in Micronesia, like, uh, and that was, that was pretty cool. Um, I went to Angkor Wat in Cambodia, which was just beautiful. It's all these old temples, like Angkor Wat, I guess, used to be this, the capital of Southeast Asia in the 10th century, but the only things that are left are these stone temples. And there are all these vines and trees grow all all around them, and it's, you know, kind of like Indiana Jones. Very cool. Uh, and what about your most recent trip? You were gone for a while, just over the summer, right? Oh, yeah, I took a couple weeks, and um, a friend of mine was married, getting married in Florence, and I took the chance to go from Florence overland to London. And so I stopped in Switzerland and uh, France for a little bit. But that was just a small, like, three-week trip. Oh, yeah, that's just small. <laughs> well, my biggest trip was like six months long. Right. Yeah. And where was that? That was India, Nepal, Australia, and New Zealand. All right. Best part of that trip? <sighs> That's, there's like a or lot worse. of really great part. The worst <laughs> part of that trip. So India is a great, great country, but is a, there's a lot of air pollution. And I spent the next three months after India coughing up all the car exhaust in India. Oh, wow. That was small price to pay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, seeing the Himalayas for the first time was definitely like a really amazing experience. Yeah, actually. that must have been pretty mind blowing. Yeah, um, I've seen like large mountain ranges all around the world, like the Andes and the Rockies and the Alps, and but the Himalayas just—they have to have a new word for mountains after that. <laughs> all right. So, is where's the uh, like number one place that you would like to go but have not gone to yet? I haven't been uh, anywhere in Africa. I have two continents left to see, and I think those are both the two places I really most want to go, which is Africa and Antarctica. Antarctica. Uh, Antarctica, yeah. I want to go to the South Pole. Wow. What would you do there? (laughs) I don't know. Hang out with penguins. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, I like it. Um, All right. Any other, uh, any cool stories to share with us? Uh, We'll see. Um, In Nepal, I got to ride on the top of a bus with a goat for a few hours. (laughs) What? Yeah, so, uh, like, buses, like, fill up pretty quickly in Nepal, and, like, um, I was in this really kind of remote area, and um, I was trying to get back to Kathmandu, so um, they told me to just wait on this corner for a bus to come by, and I did, and when I got by, it was already pretty full, and I knew that people tend to ride on the top of buses there, and so I was just like... I kind of, I don't speak Nepali, and I just sort of pointed to the top of the bus, and I made a question look on my face. And I was like, uh, sure, no problem. So I climb up there, and it was just me for a little bit, and then the next stop, uh, somebody had a goat, and he he went into the bus, but he put the goat on top of the bus with me, and... uh, It was uh, it was pretty cool. The goat like he was a pretty friendly guy, although he tried to take a dump on my backpack. Um, <laughs> we it was just me and the goat for a few hours, and then like uh, after a while, like more people started coming on, and like the top of the bus was really full. And I started trying to talk to this other guy, and like he didn't really speak English, and I didn't speak any Nepali. But like it turns out that the uh, that goat was on its way to Kathmandu to being sacrificed. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like a special goat. It was a pretty special goat. And, and I believe that he and me and Goatman, I think, had a nice special connection. Yeah, that's like, that's kind of like meeting a, I don't know, that's sort of like celebrity status goat, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they picked the special ones for that, I guess. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I would, I, I would couldn't, think, I, I didn't, <laughs> I don't think the goat knew what uh, he was in for, and I don't think he could have told me anyway. No, oh, that's, that's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. And w- what is it that you, like, what is it about traveling that kind of appeals to you? Well, I really, Why do you think it's cool? I do it a lot, a lot of it by myself. And I kind of like just, like, landing in a city with no, I don't know anybody there. I don't speak the language. I have no idea where I'm going to stay that night. I'm just trying to sort it all out. There's a lot about this world that I don't really understand, but I'm going to try to see it all. Just try to see it as much, see as much of the world as I can, because a lot of really cool things in this world, like that, are so different from you know where I grew up and where I spend most of my time. I just need to see it. Awesome, that is very cool. Um, all right, well, this was uh, the best Steph and Lamo, aka Jimmy and Steph, uh, talking to you about traveling, which Jimmy thinks is cool. Uh, we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's DLC Roundtable. I'm Tim. I'm Eric. I'm Allie. I am Aaron. I'm Pope. I'm Heather. And we're going to talk about what's coming out next week. Yay! Yay! Is it DLC? It sure is. Surprise! Spoilers. How many tracks do we have next week? We have nine tracks next week. Yay! Yay! Six-pack and three singles. Awesome. Very nice. So let's, let's get the rundown. Okay, so for um, the three singles, we have The Go-Go's Our Lips Are Sealed. Ooh. Nice. nice. Kelly Clarkson's Miss Independent. Popular. Yeah. And uh, Pink's Who Knew. Who Knew? <laughs> oh. I, I did not. Well, actually, I did. Because, <laughs> because you're in charge of it. Yeah. 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 Um, and the six pack is um, six tracks from Tom Petty's The Live Anthology, which comes out on November 23rd, and our tracks come out on November 17th, so you will hear them in rock band first. Sneak preview. Awesome. Yeah. I did not know that. And they, and they sound amazing. Aaron, uh, Tom Petty is one of your favorite artists, it's correct? True. Yeah. It's true. He was, uh, he was the, the first concert uh, that I went to, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, on the Wildflowers tour. It was magical. <laughs> That's a good story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we should read the tracks. I, I have time to tell it again if you want. <laughs> you can do it. No, I, I won't. We I can won't. help. Um, so the tracks are A Thing About You, American Girl, Even the Losers, Here Comes My Girl, Mary Jane's Last Dance, Woo-hoo! and Refugee. Woo! Nice. You don't have to live like a refugee. Aaron. No. no. You don't have to. I, I played... Mary Jane's last dance the other day with Steph and Alex, and it was a ton of fun. I think drummers are going to really, really like it. It's it's like tier three, but it's pretty solid, and because it's live, there's some fun little surprises in there. And uh, if you're me, you'll screw up the big rock ending at the end. <laughs> I'm super excited about American Girl. That is like, it's my favorite Tom Petty track. Oh, yeah? Uh, and it's such a great All right. sing-along. All right? Oh, yeah, oh. all right, yeah. <laughs> Take it easy, Aaron. Uh,
Oh. Make it last all night. Make it last all night. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. Uh, Heather, you have some fun trivia, I think. So, I don't know how many of you out there know this, but Tom Petty had a, a cameo in the 80s movie Made in Heaven, starring Timothy Hutton and Kelly McGillis of Top Gun fame. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I have seen that movie many times. I should probably not be admitting that in public, but yeah, there okay. you go. Uh, Follow-up, Tom Petty uh, had, had a role in... Kevin Costner's second best post-apocalypse movie. Oh, that's right. The Postman. That's true. <laughs> As himself. He played Tom Petty, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a stretch. That's so weird. It's, it's really stretches his uh, acting ability. Proving though. that Tom Petty is apocalypse proof. Yeah. yeah. yeah Thrasher, awesome. you must be excited about pink since you have pink in your hair today. I actually, no, I said I, I, would, I would talk about the girly songs. I, I actually think the Pink song is going to be fun for vocalists. It's a pretty steady track, but she's got some range towards, towards the end of the song. Some, uh, you know, I guess mournful laments for her friend, because who knew? So I think people are going to have fun with that. And I, I think not just ladies, but I think, I think guys who like to change it up and sing, sing uh, the parts of women, because she's got a, a deeper kind of throaty voice. Mournful laments. Is it like uh, in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf dies? Oh, it's spoilers. not that intense. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> oh, God, for everyone who hasn't finished the book yeah. yet. <laughs> oh, I was talking about the movie. Is there a book <laughs> of Lord? All right. People were really, really excited about, um, about Walk Like an Egyptian. So I oh. think that, uh, I think that uh, our lips are sealed. They're kind of like right in that same wheelhouse. Yeah. People should be stoked. Should we also, should we also mention... Sergeant Pepper. Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, is that a thing that's coming out? I mean, it'll, well, it'll probably be out by it's the time out. the podcast yeah. out. Yeah. 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 But we should still mention it. Yes. Okay. Because it's awesome. Yeah. And gorgeous. Like, I mean, the Beatles game is, of course, beautiful. But for Sergeant Pepper, we've done some really amazing things. Um, and so I think you're out there really gonna like it. If you haven't bought it yet, you probably should. Yeah. It is amazing. I, like when I played it. You know, when I've played it previously, it's mesmerizing. It's, it is seriously one of the most beautiful things I've seen on my TV. It's fantastic. Yeah, I was amazed at the dreamscapes because, you know, we, we've seen the disc game so much. But to see these dreamscapes where things are happening that I'd never seen before is super cool. Yay! 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 Beatles. Farts. Oh.